Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Believe in UCLA, the UCLA sports podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. My name is Sam Conan, joined once again by my co-host, Travis Reed. Travis, what's up, man? How you doing? Good. How you doing, Sam? I'm doing pretty well. Thanks. So a lot to talk about uh, this week. We're recording this on a Sunday. It is really just an hour or so after the news has been confirmed that Lincoln Riley is going to be the next coach at USC. So that's wild. Uh, didn't expect to be talking about that today. I thought maybe, oh, yeah, we'll be talking about oh, Matt Campbell to, to USC, kind of leaving Iowa State. That seemed like there had there was some uh, momentum there. But, uh, nope, they just went out and got the, the biggest fish who, who wasn't even on the market. They somehow strung that together. We'll talk about that, give our thoughts. But also, uh, UCLA football, they played a game last night. They played on Saturday. They handled Cal 42 to 14. So we'll break that down, how that uh, impacts the uh, bowl season, Chip Kelly, uh, Dorian Thomas Robinson, all the seniors who are out there. We'll talk about that. Uh, and then UCLA men's basketball. They beat Bellarmine and then lost to Gonzaga in pretty uh, embarrassing fashion. Uh, opening of that game was pretty gross and just never got back into it. Uh, they, they, Recovered a little bit on Saturday with a win over UNLV, some of the best defense we've seen uh, since Mick Cronin got to town. So there's still plenty to talk about there. So with all of that down, let's get started talking UCLA versus Cal. Like I said, UCLA wins 42 to 14. Uh, Things were a little messy there early. They went up 10-0, but then went behind 14-10. And then from that point on, it was 32 unanswered points. Travis, what did you think of the game and kind of how it played out, especially that that big run to end it from the second quarter on? Well, I, I definitely feel that, uh, you know, like I said, we started out okay. And like I said, we're 10-0. Then we gave up 14 straight. And we talked about it last week about like that Cal after SC game curse kind of thing where we don't play good against, you know, Cal on the last game, you know, after the big, SC and it was like probably the biggest margin of victory, you know, UCLA SC history, in my opinion, uh, as far as on the UCLA side. Um, but once they got their footing, um, cause they were running the ball extremely well, uh, these last couple of games. And uh, I thought that once they got their footing and just, you know, it turned to a track meet. That's what UCLA wants. They want to turn the game to a track meet. They're one of the fastest teams in the country. Uh, and if they get you in space, it's, it's over, you know, I think, you know, my opinion, I think they just have one of those speedy type teams that makes it insane, uh, for teams to try to catch up. And like I said, they get score bunches and, you know, score in bunches, you know, and like I said, like it was 32 
unanswered points from the four, you know, from the 14 to 10. So all in all, we talked about it as well. And I told you if they, he has the win out. Uh, Jim Kelly has the win out to keep his job. They're eight and four, depending on the bowl. It might be a mid mid level. They're eight and four big conference. Uh, you know, got some decent wins. Uh, LSU won. They beat Texas A&M. So makes LSU win looks a little bit better. Yeah, it's a bowl team they, now. Yeah, <laughs> they're, it's a bowl. they're bowl. There you go. Yeah, they're bowl eligible. Uh, you know, I think you know, I think they can go like I said to a mid-major bowl, and if they win that, uh, you know, nine and four looks really, really good this year. That's a good year for UCLA. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think uh, UCLA handled Cal pretty much across the board. Mm-hmm. And that that was promising to see because of what, what you were talking about with that post USC hangover, whether it comes against Cal or Stanford, it's always kind of looming there. And it was definitely a thing under Chip Kelly. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this time around, uh, Chase Garbers, again, struggled against UCLA. He struggled against UCLA in the past and that continued Saturday. I think his career passer rating against UCLA now is somewhere just it's yeah, I got to hear 92.9 for his career and against everyone else. It's 136.1. So Chase Garbers is a pretty good quarterback until he faces Jerry Azanara's defense. And then he turns into a puddle, which is usually the opposite. Usually you have mediocre quarterbacks who turn into Heisman candidates when they play as his defense, but Chase Garbers is the one exception. They continue to bottle him up. Cal have been running the ball really, really well uh, in, in recent weeks. And they only had 92 rushing yards and it, it was kind of weird because you would expect Cal to run the ball a lot more early. They didn't. And then they got caught behind and just couldn't really do anything running the ball after and chase Garbers was getting sacked late. So they ended up only getting 2.9 yards per carry. So credit to the UCLA run defense. Uh, it feels weird to say it, but I'll give credit where credit is due credit to Jerry as for, for running a good defensive game. There is a, that one 75 yard drive that that Cal put together for a touchdown. And then their next touchdown came off the Kaz Allen fumble on a kick return. So it's not really in the defense. They started at the 12. So honestly, that one drive, take that out. And it's the, the best game we've seen from this UCLA defense in years. So that was promising to see. Uh, not enough for me to say I want Jerry Azanero back. I still think he should be launched into the sun just as far away from Westwood as possible. Um, and, and honestly, that, that could have an impact on what happens with Chip Kelly, which I, I guess we'll, we'll touch on in a little bit. But overall, a, a good game on defense, good game on offense. Jack, Zach Charbonnet, his 700-yard game of the season. That's the most since Jonathan Franklin in 2012. Dorian Thompson-Robinson, another three touchdowns. I think he's got a 77 for his career now, where it's passing and rushing combined. That's second uh, to Brett Huntley in the Pac-12 era for UCLA, and it's in the top 15 now. So DTR's really capping off, probably capping off a good career. Charbonnet is doing really well in his one year here if he ends up leaving. So there, there was a lot to like on Saturday. It was just, it was good to see across the board. No, definitely. I, I think DTR, it's a possibility he can come back, but to be honest, like the quarterback class coming out this year is not that good. So he should come out, you know, it's not really that like last year it had so many quarterbacks uh, come in Um, this year. It's not that really that it's not, I don't know who's going to go number one, to be honest. Um, So like there is no dominant quarterback out there, so he could go 
and maybe go high, maybe second, you know, maybe late, late first, something like that. And I think the running back is gone. You know, he, he's had a strong season, strong season. And when you're a running back, time is of the essence because you only have a short window yep. to, um, to make your, you know, maximize your talent. And, you know, running backs don't really get second contracts. Uh, you know, so he has to, I think he has to go, you know, like you don't, I don't, you don't risk it. You don't come back for college in football as a running back. If you got a chance to go, uh, cause you know, I just think that like you, you have to maximize your, your gifts early in a running back. Um, as far as defense goes, I think what they did is they made Cal one dimensional and it's easy to play defense then. You know, once they got up and the points start rolling in and it made Cal just throw, 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 throw. Uh, defensive tackles can just kind of like tee off on the quarterback and just like go straight, you know, like we don't have to worry about the run. Oh, we're going to just, you know, all we got to beat our man is one-on-one, one-on-one. So, uh, and like I said, the points just start coming in bunches for UCLA. Like, I, like you said, they played a wonderful defensive game. Yeah, and I think uh, talking about where Dorian Thompson Robinson can go, he's saying that, that he's got some decisions to, to make, obviously, get some advice, talk to people. It's kind of a standard position for, for someone to be in, uh, in, in his spot. And uh, I don't think he has made his decision yet. I think he's being honest when he says that he's got to talk things over. Mm-hmm. Um, but the way that I'm thinking about it is there is just a 99.9% chance that he decides to leave. Mm-hmm. I, I, just, I just think... Uh, the, the way he's been playing, he's is a contender at the very least, if not at this point, the favorite to win Pac-12 Offensive Player of the Year. I mean, the contenders are, are maybe you got Ch- uh, Chance Nolan at Oregon State is the only guy with a higher efficiency rating, and, and that's barely. And DTR's done better when it comes to uh, to touchdowns and, and uh, adjusted yards per attempt, all that. So. DTR probably beats him out. And then you look at the running backs, maybe Tavion Thomas, Travis died. Those guys are pretty good too. But I think Dorian is a real contender for, for offensive player of the year in the conference. And at that point, I don't know what, what is there left to achieve personally by coming back for an extra year? I, I think you would, this is the highest his stock is going to be. You saw him making some great throws, the, the touchdown to Dulcich, the, down to the left side of the end zone was, I mean, great catch by Dulcich. Not too many tight ends can do that, obviously, but perfect throw by Dorian. And then the the drop by Kaz Allen, which I mean, Kaz Allen had some great plays, but it also also some tough ones with that fumble and then that that drop would have been a sixty nine yard bomb, and, and not just any other long touchdown. Dorian dropped back in the pocket, bought some time, and then stepped up right as he was about to get to the line of scrimmage running forward throws it on the run just 40 50 yards on a dime right in the right in Kaz's arms and if he had caught that that would have been an amazing throw that's the kind of throw that scouts want to see maybe he's a little undersized maybe he's not the 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 best guy out there but if he if he is what he's been the past two weeks he'll get drafted and then that's pretty good and there there are a bunch of guys who are going to have decisions to make, whether it's Kyle Phillips, Charbonnet, uh, like you were talking about, probably going to leave, Greg Dulcich, uh, Quentin Lake, Stephen Blaylock, Tito Bonia, uh, Bo Calvert, just all these guys. Mm-hmm. They could go. They, they might not. I don't think we're going to find out until after the bowl for any of them, honestly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. But either way, it could be a, a massive exodus of, of talent leaving this program because – 
pretty much all the main contributors uh, are at least a threat to leave this offseason because in the past few weeks, they've been playing pretty great. No, no, you're 100% right. And that's the that's the thing about transfers, right? They're older players, so they've been in college for a year, maybe two. So they could come in, play a year with your team, and then leave. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, I, I think if they have, like, if they're high draft picks, they're going to be gone. Like, it just all depends on where they get graded, uh, what information they're going to get, you know, um, as far as, you know, are you going to high second, high first? you know, late third, late fourth. If you're like a fifth or a sixth or a seventh round pick, you might as well come back. Uh, but like, I think, you know, UCLA has a lot of talent. And like I, like we talked about before, like they're on a roll as far as playing. They've won, you know, some games in a row, you know, and they've been dominating fashion. The last two games, both have been tremendous blowouts. Uh, now they get to sit for a while. Uh, and see, you know, what bowl they go to. They can possibly play in a December bowl. I don't think they'll get to a January bowl. No. Uh, no, no. They're, they're, like I said, they'll get to a December bowl. And like I said, they're just to be – they play in a couple weeks. And if they win that one, I think a lot of them it will be a mass exodus. But not not as many as what people think. I think it's going to be uh, – some people coming, but I think it's going to be some people staying. Yeah, definitely. Because I mean, not not everyone can get drafted every year. So there's going to be some guys who maybe walked on senior night who who know who who already know. Oh yeah, I'm not getting drafted. I'm 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 coming back. Well, yeah, mm-hmm, sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but just just before we move on and talk some hoops, just the the win on Saturday brought UCLA to eight and four, like we were talking about. Uh, they're bowl eligible. Obviously, could be playing Holiday Bowl, Vegas Bowl, Alamo Bowl, one of those probably. Uh, just because the way the the Pac-12. Uh, sends their teams around. Those are probably the most likely. Um, and at eight and four, uh, th- that's that's it for year four for for Chip Kelly when it comes to regular season. Uh, took some steps forward, maybe not as many as some people would have liked, but at this point, he's not getting fired. He can lose the bowl game. He's not getting fired. the The only thing that's still up in the air, and maybe we'll get back to this a little bit uh, when we talk USC and their coaching situation, is is what the extension looks like. What are the clauses? What's the money? What's the buyout? What's the the power structure? Because as much as I was talking up Jerry Asnero's defense earlier, seems to only work against Chase Garbers and no one else. So. Is Martin Jarman, the UCLA athletic director, going to tell Chip Kelly, hey, here's your extension, but it's contingent on you pushing as an arrow out? Maybe it's not a firing. Maybe he retires and you hire someone else, but we can't come back with that. Maybe the extension uh, is, is a lower buyout. Maybe it's more school friendly, more team friendly. Um, and, and maybe that January buyout date that he has right now that kind of gives him an, a, an extra long leash, maybe that's not part of the next deal. And that would make sense from a UCLA perspective. I mean, it's been a good season, but overall, overall the four years of Chip Kelly haven't been good. So you can't just give him a blank check. You got to have him make some, uh, some sacrifices on his end. If those are sacrificing, he's sacrifices. He's not willing to make, maybe he does end up leaving, but on his, on his own accord, maybe it's not a, a buyout or firing or, or whatever it is. But I, I'll, all I'll say is I don't think Chip Kelly returning is a hundred percent set in stone just because UCLA went eight and four. I, I think firing him is out the window, but there's still a, a minuscule chance uh, that someone else's head coach for UCLA come 2022. 
it, it definitely, I mean, like I said, it's a lot of openings uh, this year with big schools, you know. Um, I think, like you said, eight and four get trounced in the uh, bowl game, you know, like 50, like that. I don't see them firing them, but like the buyout kind of saves him, right? Now, it, great coaches have all had to restructure contracts. Heck, Jim Hardball just restructured his contract this year, and he's had ten, it was four 10-win seasons at Michigan, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. And this, he gambled on himself this year, and so far he has won big, obviously, you know? Um, like I said, unless you're Nick Saban or, uh, you know, something like that, uh guy from Clemson, I can't think of his yeah, name. Yeah, Dabo Sweeney. Dabo Sweeney. Um, everybody's going to have to readjust their contract. I don't think he's going to have just as high as a buyout if he does, a say, a three-year extension because um, they would have offered them a five- or six-year extension already if he they was going to give them a five- or six-year extension. I think they're going to give them another three. They have to give them at least another three because that's another class, another recruiting class, you know, come in. So I'm thinking, like, maybe a three-year deal, uh, possibly four, maybe a four with an option out, you know, something like that, mm-hmm. um, for them to both kind of cover their backsides. Because I know Jim Kelly wants – 10-year deal so for security. Um, and UC, US, UCLA wants, like, you know, they want a year-by-year year kind of deal, you know, where they can fire him if he's messing up. But I think they'll come, they'll meet in the middle, probably like around a four-year deal. Yeah, that, that sounds right. I, I like the Harbaugh parallel because, I mean, Chip Kelly is going to have to bet on himself. Uh, I feel like uh, he hates looking at the big picture. He'll, he'll say it every time you ask him about it. But I feel like even he would recognize that being – what, 17 and 25, whatever his record is all time at UCLA, 18 and 25, something like that, that he wants better. He expected better, I'm sure. Uh, and if he thinks he can get there, then he'll bet on himself. Uh, and if he doesn't want to make any concessions, then he'll, he'll, he'll dip. But we'll, uh, we'll talk about that more in the coming weeks as more details come out, as more details come out with the USC stuff, which we'll also touch on later. Um, but for now, let's move on talk a little hoops. UCLA men's basketball, they opened last week by beating Bellarmine. Bellarmine? Bellarmine? I don't know. <laughs> I feel like everyone, everyone says it differently. I have no idea. They beat him 75-62. Uh, second half, especially the, the very end, was, was very messy. And Mick Cronin said he was treating it like a loss. And then the, the next night, they go out against Gonzaga, number one team in the country, and they get an actual loss. They lose 83-63. to um, to the number one team in the country who then turns around and loses to Duke on Friday. So Gonzaga won't be number one this week, but yeah. LA recovers. They beat UNLV on the road, 73 uh, 51. Like I was saying earlier, some of the best defense we've seen from a Mick Cronin team, which is saying something uh, it's in UNLV shop, 30% from the field. Uh, Jaime Hawk has got smashed in the face by miles Johnson came back out in the second half and was, getting to the free throw line, uh, dishing out of the posts, getting rebounds. So mm-hmm. uh, Tiger Campbell kept shooting threes pretty well. There, there was a lot that went right in that other, in that UNLV game, but also mm-hmm. some stuff that went pretty clearly wrong in the Gonzaga game. So Travis, what are your overall takeaways from the weekend, knowing that they went two and one, but they, they lost the big one that everyone had their eyes on? Well, well, I think the big, the big thing was that they went two and one. Obviously, the, the games they were supposed to, uh, there was the games they were supposed to 
um, when they won. Uh, I, I Look, to be honest, I thought that the Gonzaga game – well, let's go back to the first game. First game was a okay. trap game. So, yep. first game was a trap game. So, the, sec- the second half, they were sloppy. They got up. Uh, it was kind of like the Long Beach State game. I felt like it was another trap game where they – Coming off a big, huge game uh, for Villanova, and they won, so they played sloppy, right? Um, the that game was the same. They were looking, obviously, they were looking forward to Gonzaga the next night, so they played sloppy, terrible basketball, but they ended up winning, so that's good. Now the Gonzaga game, which I watched like thoroughly. And I rewatched it again. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, right, <laughs> sorry, right, sorry, right. Hey, sorry. You put yourself through that. <laughs> right, right. I just well, I just watched the first. Really, they lost the game in the first five minutes. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. First five to ten minutes, they were down. Was it twenty-seven to eight? Or I think it was. Uh, it was. It was thirty-three to ten through twelve minutes. That's what I'm, they lost the game in the first five to ten minutes. Uh, I think they shot terrible. They shot terrible. Uh, and one thing about Gonzaga, what they didn't do last year, and this is why I said they needed Cody Riley in this, the Gonzaga game, because the big men, which who, who are great, they can't score. They cannot score. And they didn't put any pressure on Gonzaga's big men at mm-hmm. all. And so, like, they were free to roam. The I can't think of the seven-foot guy. The Chet Holmgren. Man, he was just free to roam around and block shots because he didn't have to worry about the, our big men. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, he, he was he was a help defender. He he was he was rotating really well. He's obviously a good defender, but yeah, he was he didn't have to match up one on one with guys too much, like you're saying. No, no. Uh, look, Cody Riley's not saying he's gonna give you 25 and 20, but he at least can give you 14 and 10, you know, and make make them play honest. That's what happened last year in the in the final four game. They made Gonzaga big man play honest, so it was a it was a more you still they muck the game up more. You can't run with Gonzaga. Duke can, but really uh UCLA don't want to run with Gonzaga because Gonzaga shoots the ball extremely well, like they did that game. Uh and they have you know good big men inside. Both big men had, you know, uh like you said, the freshman had like 15 points, 13 rebounds, five blocks, five, you know, so five assists. Uh the other big man, uh Drew Timmy. Yeah, he had 20 or 18 to 20, something like that. Yeah, he was good. Uh, yeah, so I think if you if you don't match that at all, I felt like Jaime was the only one out there competing inside. You know, um, even though he shot a lot, I think he was he was aggressive, but he was the only one inside aggressive. And then when UCLA collapsed, they kicked out the shooters, and you can't beat Gonzaga in that kind of game. They will kill you. And uh, like I said, I, I think if they play him again with Cody Riley. I think it could be a different type of game because they can kind of muck it up, slow it up, play more physical. The Beacons, I got to play physical, period. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I think there were some some issues there in the first half that were that it had shown up in games before and just really got exploited by Gonzaga because uh, Mark Fee is a good coach and that's a talented roster and it is the best team UCLA has played so far this year and it's the, the best team they're going to play for for quite some time. So you can't go in as a flawed team and expect your flaws not to show up. And and I don't think Mick Cronin expected that because he talked about it leading up to it. He knew that the the flaws were going to, were going to show and, and they ended up doing just that because I mean, you look at the final 28 minutes of the game. So you take out that, that 12 minute start by Gonzaga mm-hmm. uh, UCLA outscores Gonzaga 53 to 50 
UCLA shoots 50, uh, shoots 44%. Gonzaga shoots 50, 46%. Uh, so if you look at that, you'd say, oh, that's a, it's a pretty close game. going to be another classic, but UCLA just doesn't have the wiggle room. They can't, uh, they, they could afford to start slow against Long Beach State. They could afford mm-hmm. to start slow against North Florida. Uh, even Villanova, who's a good team, is not Gonzaga. You can't start slow against Gonzaga or Baylor or or Duke or these top top tier teams and expect to win. Mm-hmm. And I think a, a big part of that slow start was missing open shots, mm-hmm. uh, that shots that they have been hitting. So it's not like they hadn't they weren't getting open. The offense was working moderately well. They just weren't hitting the shots, and then they weren't getting back on defense because uh, Gonzaga won the fast break point. Uh, differential 18 to five. But the crazy thing is that Gonzaga had more turnovers. It's not like these were, and, and UCLA only had, I think like two live ball turnovers in the first half or something. So it's not like Gonzaga was matching up one-on-one poking it out and running out in the fast break. No, they were just getting long rebounds yeah, and running yeah. down the court and hitting open lamps. Cause guys were sitting there watching their threes, trying to hope they go in. And I mean, they had been going in early in the year, but they weren't that night. And it, it really cost them when they weren't getting back. No, definitely. Look, I, I've been told, and the college coaches, they, they've told us that, like, look, a long rebound is almost like a turnover, right? And so if somebody shoots a three and say you get the long rebound and, like, you know, you're boxing out and you're looking up and say the, the ball goes over your head and the guard gets it, that's a fast break. And mm-hmm. so, like, you're, you're running, you're running, you're scrambling because it's a fast break. And, and the, the, the issue with that, is that you're scrambling and with Kazaki, you can't scramble because guess what? Timmy's running down the middle for a layup. Uh, They have the trailer. They have the two guards on the wings and then the point guard. Now the point guard, the two guards on the wings all can shoot. And that's what it was killing us on fast break threes. Yep. And I, I thought like, you know, we wasn't matching up. We wasn't finding our man and scrambling to the right position. And then when you're in the scramble mode, it's like you can pump fake. Somebody's going to jump. 50 feet in the air, you pump fake, drive, kick, pump fake, drive, kick to the corner or the opposite side or whatever the case may be. Uh, and like I said, they wouldn't, Gonzaga in that kind of game, they will kill you. They will, you you cannot be Gonzaga in that kind of game. Yeah, definitely. And the, the thing is, if you're at UCLA, especially now with the way that Mick Cronin is, is building his non-conference schedules, uh, you're, you have to expect to play big, meaningful games year round. Uh, like the program had in the past and, and like it usually does in March. So uh, I don't know, Travis, is, has there, or was there a, a big regular season game? So not a March madness game or anything that ended your season that you really just got the crap kicked out of you. What, what was the feeling after and, and, and how do you kind of recover the way that UCLA recovered and beat UNLV the couple of days later? Well, I can tell you it's simple. It's a- First game I played in college, we played in North Carolina when they had Antoine Jameson and Vince Carter, and they went to the Final Four. Ed Coder, Brendan Hay, uh, Brendan Haywood, you know, they had like three or four NBA guys on that team. Uh, they beat us by like thirty. You know, they destroyed <laughs> us. First game of the season in the Alaskan shootout. We played in the Alaskan shootout for Thanksgiving, uh, and they destroyed us. And so uh, we played like Alaska Anchorage the next game because, you know, um, they, you know, they won. And then we played, I want to say UAB in the, in the next game after that. Uh, 
So, you know, we recovered. We won the next the next two games. And then uh, we came home and played New Mexico State. And that's when New Mexico State was like top top 15 in the country at the, in the Wooden Classic. So, um, we, you know, like when you play in college, you always like, oh, I want to play all the top teams. But in essence, if you play all the top teams, you have to recover instantly, you know, because it's always another game to the next game. And I think, you know, uh, Gonzaga kind of like woke us up in a way that maybe we're not as good as maybe what we think we are. Um, but I think, you know, it's, some of these losses are good, good for us uh, to kind of learn what our mistakes were. I felt, I always felt like our dribble penetration was giving up too much dribble penetration the last couple games, you know, not just the Gonzaga game, but the last couple games to guards, uh, you know, starting with, yeah, I don't, let's not count Villanova because their guards are sensational, but let's count Long Beach State. The, the mm-hmm. guards were killing us on dribble penetration. Yep. And, and so, like I said, against good teams, you know, against Long Beach State, he doesn't get exposed against UCLA. I mean, he gets uh, Gonzaga, he gets exposed. So, yeah, like it just, you just got to recovering on to the next game, almost like a professional in a way. Um, and you just got to just, like I said, because it's always another game coming, especially in these kind of tournament kind of, you know, game, game, game kind of things, like three games, three nights, or five games in 10 days, or whatever the case is. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think like you're talking about with how the, the guards were kind of uh, tearing UCLA apart, whether it's Gonzaga or Villanova or Long Beach State, all those teams. Uh, Mick Cronin always says that, I mean, you can't expect to win if you're going out there trying to score 100 points, which the thing is this UCLA team can score 100 points. They mm-hmm. scored 198, 92, whatever they they can score in droves. But uh, it's a lot more reliable if you can go out there and expect to hold your t- hold the other team to 55 points, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. it's a, definitely a defensive mentality. That's where Mick Cronin uh, kind of made his his money. That's where he got big with Cincinnati is with that mindset. And mm-hmm. uh, with the UNLV game, it looks like that uh, that showed up a little bit and. Now it's going to be put to the test in Pac-12 play, which starts at Poly Pavilion on Wednesday. So they got Colorado coming to town there mm-hmm. uh, with with no uh, uh, McKinley right anymore. Uh, they got Batty down low. Uh, they they struggled a little bit this year, but they're still a tough opponent. And you got to go to Seattle for the Washington game next Sunday, which we'll be giving some uh, instant reactions to next weekend on on next week's episode. Um, but yeah, you got an interesting road ahead. Uh, you see what happens in those pac 12 games and you play Marquette, who's pretty good team as well. So like you said, it's, it's a big time of the year where you got to recover and, and have have some nice turnarounds, whether you win or lose. And hopefully for UCLA, the, the defense steps up like it did against UNLV. I think, you know, with Cronin, with coach Cronin, he would want, he would want 75 to 50 games. He would want those. Yep. I don't, I don't think he likes the 80 to 80, you know, 80 to 100 games. Like like against Long Beach State where they I think you see they scored like 100 to 100. Yeah, it was 100 to 79. Yeah, yeah, they he rather have the the game they had against UNLV rather than the game they had against Long Beach State. Mm-hmm. Um he's that type of coach cuz I watched him at Cincinnati and it was much much um he was like physical, you know, grind out games 65 60 you know, 55-50 type, you know, he was that kind of coach at Cincinnati. 
And so I think with UCLA, with the differences, they can score a lot better than Cincinnati. Uh, but you can't sacrifice your defense for your offense. You can't. You have to be able to lock people down and still be able to score. Yeah, definitely. So, like I was saying, got Colorado game coming up, Washington game coming up, getting a Pac-12 play. Uh, we'll break that down on next week's episode. But before we wrap things up, let's just have a, a little, uh, I don't know, instant reaction, rant period, whatever, to this Lincoln Riley to USC news that dropped just before we started recording. I, wow. I mean, I did not see it coming. Came together pretty quick. Uh, Lincoln Riley, just a, a quick overview. Uh, this is his fifth season as Oklahoma's head coach since Bob Stoops left and, and retired. Uh, he's gone 55 and 10 in those years. I think this is going to be the first time that he doesn't win the big 12 championship. Uh, just cause they, they lost that game to Oklahoma state yesterday on, on Saturday. Um, but so yeah, four conference championships, three college football playoff appearances. Uh, yeah. Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield is Heisman winners. And, uh, then you also had Jalen hurts after that, who was a Heisman finalist, uh, and Spencer Rattler for all the stuff that's kind of gone wrong and weird this year. He was a good quarterback. Oklahoma's quarterback university for a little bit. USC likes to, to have that title. And now it looks like it's probably going to continue by adding Lincoln Riley to the, the Trojan family on a, I think it was a five-year deal, probably going to be a, a boatload of money and yeah, crazy. I don't know, Travis, what are your, what are your first thoughts? <laughs> well, in a word, shocked, shocked yep. because I look, there's five, in my opinion, there's probably five to six jobs in the country that are like those big, big, big jobs, right? Uh, Alabama, Michigan, Ohio State, uh, Texas, uh, Oklahoma, USC, you know? Um, like, like, don't get me wrong, uh, Dabble Sweeney made Clemson people. So it's not like <laughs> Clemson was a, a great destination before Dabble Sweeney was there. Um, you know, Florida is a great, as a good destination, but it hasn't won since, since, uh, uh, Urban Meyer was there. So I think, uh, it's just, I'm, I'm, I'm shocked in my, you know, just because like Oklahoma, he's won the, you said all the, the records, but he's won 10 games every single year. He's been in Oklahoma, you know, minimum 10, you know, and like you said, back-to-back Heisman Trophy winners, Heisman Trophy finalists. I mean, he took over a machine from Bob Stoops. Um, and Oklahoma has a great fan base. They're in the Big 12, so they score a lot of points. Uh, they get a lot of publicity and things like that. I'm just – SC is a fan base, which is a great fan base, great alumni, but sometimes they have unrealistic expectations uh, with their teams. And I think this job is more of a pressure cooker than it would be Oklahoma. He could have stayed in Oklahoma forever. Oh, yeah. You know, it wouldn't have mattered what he'd done. Say he lost the next three, four, five years. It wouldn't have mattered. He could have, like, at SC, if you, you know, as great as Pete Carroll was, towards the end, they were, like, mad at Pete Carroll. And Pete was still winning <laughs> 19 games, you know, because he would lose one game a year to UCLA or one game a year to Oregon State. So, uh, to me, this is a big swing because I, like, and this is just me as just an outsider in. I thought the program was going to be over because they didn't get Urban Meyer last year. And they kept Helton in order just to fire him 
two games into the season this year, which makes absolutely no sense. But um, this shocker, but I feel like SE always pulls out some weird rabbit out of their hat to get this <laughs> just shocker of a hire. Shocker. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, the, in the the crazy thing is that, I don't know, the past week or so, you've kind of seen candidates start disappearing at Aranda, Baylor, say, oh, he's staying there. Uh, James Franklin at Penn State, he gets his big extension. Um, and I don't know, it didn't seem like there were too many great options out there. So on top of the market being crowded by teams looking for head coaches, you also had not too many top tier guys who are trying to move. And I, I feel like a name that no one really expected to be connected to USC was Lincoln Riley. There was a little bit of buzz with the LSU thing. And last night he's like, nope, not going to LSU. And then boom, all of a sudden he goes to USC. So that's <laughs> wild, weird, whatever. But uh, it, it is funny kind of how well set up Lincoln Riley is to succeed very quickly at USC uh, because a, a lot of his recruits at Oklahoma who, who are there now or who are supposed to be coming in soon or, or are going to be or scheduled to be signing in December, uh, they are from Southern California. So you had, had five-star running back, uh, I think it's Relik Brown, who, who's who's from the LA area. I don't know high school or anything. He he's a five-star. He people are already saying, oh, it's a sure thing. He's flipping. He's going to USC. Uh, they got five-star quarterback uh, Malachi Nelson in 2023. So the next class, he's from SoCal. <laughs> he's probably going to flip. I uh, got another four-star receiver for next year's class. Maybe he's going to flip. So Lincoln Riley had been recruiting Southern California well when he was in Norman, Oklahoma. So just imagine how well he's going to be recruiting his home base when he's at USC. That's that's the craziest thing. And and it's honestly, part of me thinks it's really funny that there are UCLA fans and personalities out there who are saying like, oh, it doesn't matter. UCLA just takes care of their business and and we don't have to concern ourselves with that. So what are you talking about? <laughs> UCLA is screwed. They're so screwed. It's like not even a question. And, and I'm not saying that Lincoln Riley is going to come in and win the national championship every year. You know, USC has has disappointed a lot. They they've messed up a lot. And UCLA got a home run hire with Chip Kelly, and and, and that hasn't panned out. So it's not like every big name, big time hire always works out. But just Lincoln Riley is going to recruit the hell out of LA and just to where UCLA, they, they missed their chance. They might not be getting any of the top tier guys in this area for a long, long time, just because they're the, who wouldn't want to go play for Lincoln Riley at USC. So even if they aren't world beaters, if they don't go undefeated every year, they're probably going to be better than you. So I, I don't know. What, <laughs> I, I don't know why UCLA fans are, are so, uh, averse to giving USC's administration credit for just knocking this one out of the park. It's probably going to work. Oh, look, I think it's going to work. I mean, cause like we talked about it earlier, two semifinalists so far, and they'll probably be finals in the Heisman trophy race this year are freshman quarterbacks, one from Alabama, one from Ohio state. And guess what? They both are from California. Then, you know, and they're freshmen, right? That, that, that went in the sophomore from Clemson quarterback starting 
is also a California kid, right? And to me, um, these these kids are not going to be leaving no more, right? And everybody's been, you know, like kind of just picking California talent and, and taking them to these schools because SC hasn't been good for a while, you know? They haven't been, I mean, they were decent. Like I said, I think Clay Helton was more of a system of, of Sam Darnold. I think Sam Darnold saved Clay Helton's job, you know, those couple of years they won with, you know, with uh, Sam Darnold starting. Um, and so it was more like fool's gold. But now uh, with Lincoln Riley uh, coming to the Pac-12 Pac and his offense and his system, uh, with, with, I mean, and the, the funny thing is like SC has a lot of athletes. They, they still get talent. Yeah. Uh, you know, like they just need a system that's going to work. And Lincoln Riley has a proven system. And like you said, like along, if they get the talent that doesn't go to the Arizona States or the Oregon's, or like I said, Alabama's Clemson's and in, 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 in Ohio States and Oklahoma's. They all stay in Southern California. It'd be like a Pete Carroll thing when Pete Carroll was at SC, when he had all the California talent, but, you know, people from other states were coming. So it's a it's a knock it out the park hire, even though I'm, I love UCLA, always will. It's a knock it out the park hire for SC. And I think that, uh, you know, depending on what he does as far as like these recruits, um, Wow. That's all I got to say. Wow. Yeah. And, and it's definitely, definitely very shocking. It's just, it's so, uh, I, maybe, maybe the word, maybe it's humbling. I don't know. All these UCLA fans who, who took so much away from that blowout win last weekend. And, and I get it. It's a rivalry game. Have your fun. You, you just stomped your cross down rival. That's great. There's so many people who are, who are running with that and holding that, as, as if it has more value than Lincoln Riley coming to USC, which it just doesn't. I mean, they were on an interim coach. Drake London was hurt. Keaton Slovis was hurt. Keaton Slovis, who had played super well against UCLA the past few years. Uh, so, yeah, you kicked them while they were down. And guess what? They're not going to be down anymore. Uh -huh. So so uh, it, I'm, I'm happy that they enjoyed it. Fans enjoyed it for, for about a week. But I'm, I'm sorry, you can't talk trash anymore. You just can't. No, no, I would say this. Um... That game, I promise you, that game got Lincoln highly right because oh, no, you know, no, you know, uh, I, I want to say this I, because <laughs> you're probably right. I just hate to think about it. <laughs> because let's just say, let's just say, whatever the deal is, say whatever the deal is, say he off, say they off from five years, uh, 50 million, right? But he won a five year 70, right? They saw that game against UCLA, <laughs> you know. DT signed in the hat, uh, after he scores a touchdown, hurdling a guy. The, 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 you know, like the fourth string running back running for 50 yard touchdowns, scoring 60 points in the Coliseum. Uh, a boosters probably say, give Lincoln whatever he wants. <laughs> if he wants 70, give him 80. We need to not have this happen again, you know? And uh, I think that was the game that got Lincoln highly rivaled. He was probably like, boosters, like, oh my God, we got to go get him now, now, not wait. Hire him today. Oh, so. I that's insane and horrible, but part of me hopes that's true just because of how 
I mean, UCLA fans are, are, are proud and they're, they're happy for their team when they win. I get it. But there are a lot of people who have been overlooking clear flaws with this team and with this program. Just say, oh yeah. Oh they, yeah. They did it. They're growing. They're progressing. They beat this team. And oh, like, okay. They haven't beat a, a, a team that's over 500 all year. So they're taking advantage of a bat, of an easy schedule, which is fine, but you got to also win big games. They haven't done that. And I don't know. It, it would be just so ironic for the thing that people just shoved down USC fans throats all week long. If that was the thing that got Lincoln Riley hired and ultimately doomed UCLA. So I mean, <laughs> I'm like telling I said, you, yeah, I'm telling maybe. you that that's the truth. That embarrassing. I mean, Oh, like it was, it, I mean, that was embarrassing. I have never seen SC get embarrassed. Like I've seen them lose games. They got embarrassed by UCLA uh, in that game. And so, yeah. like, you know, if I'm any booster, if I'm those billion-dollar boosters with SC has, um, yeah, go get them. Give them whatever he wants. Yeah, so I guess we'll see how that plays out in the coming weeks when it comes to uh, official contract details, the uh, national signing day, uh, all that coming up. And I guess who knows what happens with Chip Kelly now. It's definitely going to be a different dynamic. Chip, the, the last four years, has been going against Clay Elton and Dante Williams and uh, <laughs> went 500 in those games, never won a Pac-12 South division. And I don't know the next time that he will have another chance to win the division. That's going to be really tough. So uh, that, next year, that'll... next year, he can win oh, it next yeah. year, next year. Yeah, sure, after, that, after that, I don't know. <laughs> so that's going to be it for this week's episode of the Believe in UCLA podcast. Thank you so much for listening, for joining us. Uh, just a reminder again, my name is Sam Conan. I'm the publisher and managing editor at All Bruins, the UCLA site on Sports Illustrated Fan Nation Network. So you can check us out. Uh, just search SIL Bruins on social media and go to allbruins.com for all UCLA sports content. So check us out there. Uh, Travis, thanks so much for joining me again. And uh, where can people find you? Pretty much you can find me uh, at on Instagram at, at Travis W. Reed, all lowercase. And on Facebook at, at I mean, at <laughs> uh, Facebook, Travis W. Reed. Pretty much all my uh, content from, you know, any other shows, anything like that is all on my uh, social media. So feel free to, like I said, follow me. Uh, if you have any questions, feel free to ask me. Um, I post our show as well as any other things I have going on in the future. Like I said, on my, on my social media. And that is once again, Travis at Travis W. Reed. Awesome. Sounds good. So uh, make sure to check that out. If you've made it this far in the episode, you made it all the way to the very end of our very long episode. Uh, I, I know you're, you're a dedicated listener. Make sure to uh, like, to subscribe, to, to share, get everyone else involved. Uh, so appreciate you guys sticking around and we'll see you next week. All right. See you. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones 
who get it done.